The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters, and boy, boy, it matters to me. It's a little hard for me to say this, but I, listen, I have to give respect once it's been earned. The Denver Broncos, the world champions, the Denver Broncos, National Football League champions, world champions, Denver Broncos. Congratulations. Uh, if nothing else, I, I do want to say the fact that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm happy when I look back upon I'm happy to see that at least Peyton, if he's going to step out, step away from, you know, from the pitcher, the big pitcher, uh, that he rides out as a champion. You know, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Every uh, athlete would like to end his career like that. I see no reason why, with the exception of I, I believe that uh, he wants the uh, the spotlight to be on the national championship for the entire team. And he does not want to affect the moment uh, to tarnish it in any way. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> I think it's probably best for him that he didn't combine the two. Uh, that his retirement, the announcement of his retirement uh, in itself would be an event. And uh, certainly the Super Bowl was just that. It was a fantastic event. Uh, another great game. Uh, well, another good game. Not a great game. Another good game, but not a great game. Uh, Last year, obviously, was a great game going down to probably the next to the last very play. I mean, that's a great game. But this was a good game. And I'd have to say, obviously, it was uh, the team that I picked to win did not win. But uh, there was a team that won that was worthy of winning. They won the game. It wasn't something that they uh, fell into it. They prepared, you could tell, by their game plan. Uh, They expected to have success in the areas that they did. And uh, I'm happy for them. Denver Broncos, of course, you guys know my history. I don't have two Super Bowl rings in terms of just AFC championship rings that would have gotten me two appearances in the Super Bowl. Um, had three playoff appearances, but but two AFC championship games um, was my, my Super Bowl hopes were aborted by the Denver Broncos, the drive and the fumble. So it's a sting that, what is it, 30 years later? As a matter of fact, this 2016 uh, is the 30th year anniversary. Wow. <laughs> it's, a, it's a 30th year anniversary of that season uh, that came to a halt uh, with the drive. So I'm sure in Cleveland, uh, the talk won't all be about Johnny Manziel, but it'll be about the anniversary of, of the drive and uh, something we've tried to forgive for years. But each time Denver has the success that they do, it uh, brings back memories to all those people who uh, love the Ohio program of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, we've still got that. Yeah, a lot of people mention the Cleveland Browns, and particularly when it comes to the Pittsburgh series, there used to be a jinx. Well, we were able to put that jinx away and put it to rest years ago. But this uh, national championship, getting that a Super Bowl appearance, it's been a hurdle that they have not been able to to jump over. Uh, for whatever reason, it remains there. But it was a good game. I'm going to have some uh, some good callers in here pretty soon. And uh, I'd like to get other people's opinions. In case you'd like to call 888-346-9144. I'm going to open the mics up today. I haven't done that in a long time. If anybody wants to call 888-346-9144. A lot of conspiracy theaters out there, theories, as it relates to uh, what some people think is, of course, Cam threw the game, some of the other players threw the game. The Denver Broncos won the football game, bottom line. And I want to congratulate them for that. Uh, T.J. Ward, shout out to T.J. Ward. 
Uh, TJ got a, had a big play in the game, of course, a couple of big plays. Uh, TJ is the son of Terrell Ward, who uh, my rookie year in Philadelphia, I got a chance to play with his dad. So um, just excited for the Denver Broncos. Anytime you win a world championship, uh, if you are not happy for that team, obviously you're a hater. <laughs> you know, unless I, I don't want to do that, you know. Uh, there's nothing wrong. Listen, uh, we're going to get into it a little bit later. But for those who participate in the game, everybody handles winning and losing differently. You know, it's like adversity in life. Everybody handles it differently. Some people manage it, you know, better than others when it comes to uh, adversity. But at the same time, everybody handles it and they're entitled to handle it their own way. As long as it doesn't really have, you know, it doesn't affect somebody else. I mean, physically. Mentally, you, you don't care. But, um... Because I'm sure people have their opinion about the way Cam, uh, his post-game uh, press conference. But it's, uh, there is nothing like, I mean, I, I've, I've been in a position before where I've, I've lost a game. I've lost a national championship where, you know, it meant everything to me in my life at that time in terms of uh, my athletic career and, and reaching that pinnacle and, and perhaps maybe standing there on that platform with the national championship trophy in my hands and we lost to 17-16. Man, that hurts. I mean, you. at that time, I was considering myself an adult. I was older than 18 years old. And uh, it's the biggest stage I've ever played in the Rose Bowl, the, the granddaddy of them all, losing to USC 17-16. Uh, did I speak to reporters? Yes. Um, how did I handle it? Mm, I, I guess the best I could at that time. I think sometimes what happens to... Uh, people who have never been in a position, you, as they said, you've never walked in those shoes. You really don't know what you would do. You, you would hope and pray that you, you, know, you probably would do the best you could to handle the situation. But it's like everything else. Nobody knows until you do it. So it's one of those things Whereas, uh, you, you just hope that you would have the opportunity to be in that position where you win or lose. That's what it is. One of my friends told me something. I'll never forget it. You probably heard it on the show before. Because I, I've said it before. And he told me after we lost to the Denver Broncos in the drive, we got together. Uh, probably, you know, my first mentor and can still consider what the, probably the best mentor I ever had in my life. A uh, young, young man by the name of Charlie Weatherspoon. Obviously, uh, Charlie is not uh, <laughs> the young man he was now, but he's still a young man to me, although he's older. See, I was a freshman in high school and he was a senior at Kent McKinley High School, and he was my mentor. He embraced me as a freshman playing varsity football. And, of course, he supported my career throughout. And when I lost, when we lost that, uh, that famous game known as The Drive, uh, Charlie sat me down one time, and we were talking. He said to me, he looked me squared in my eyes. He said, Ray, here's what you need to understand. He said, the next best thing to playing the game and winning is playing the game and losing. Because some people never get to play the game. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it took me from, you know, feeling extremely sad to being extremely grateful. Because I had completely forgot about the blessing I had in the experience in itself. See, I tell everybody, I said on the show last week, there was a point in time in my career when I became a member of the water cooler conversation gang. <laughs> there was a time, you know, earlier in the season where the water cooler conversation that was going on, it was about me and my teammates. It became a time where I could join the conversation because I wasn't playing anymore. I was a fan around the water cooler talking about somebody else. So when, when, when Charlie was able to put it in perspective for me, I had a story. I, had a, I, I, I would have had a Super Bowl story, but I certainly had an AFC championship story that, again, there was only two games played on that Sunday. It was those who were playing on the, on the other side, on the NFC, and we were playing in the AFC. It was only four teams. It goes from four to two, and it goes from two to one. But, but to be a part of that Final Four, if you will, at the National Football League level, that's something special. And then to go to the next level and to be a part of the Final Two, 
And if somebody, if the other guy beats you, you don't have to embrace it at the time, but in time, you will. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a break. I believe Chef Julian is on the line with me. We're going to come back on the other side of the break. So you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters, the Denver Broncos are the world champions. Got to give the respect to them. They earned it. Uh, they won the ball game. Uh, Carolina Panthers are runners-up, and something certainly to be proud of. Uh, by the way, just in case, I don't know where you are in the United States of America or the world, because uh, after all, you can hear this show any place in the world you have an internet connection. It's 84 degrees here in Phoenix, Arizona. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Chef Julian, glad to have you on the show joining me. Uh, Chef, uh, I'm not sure if you heard me, but I started this conversation with myself and those out there that are listening uh, about um, the fact that the Carolina Panthers really have nothing to be, and not that they are ashamed. Nobody ever said that. Uh, But in the face of adversity, some people feel that Cam Newton didn't handle it like a true professional, like the MVP of the league, uh, you know, should have handled it. Uh, And I basically, just from my own perspective, I I found a way of which I was able to deal with um, the loss and and my uh, shortcomings, not getting a chance to participate in the Super Bowl because losing to Denver twice in the AFC Championship game. And, of course, a good dear friend of mine, Charlie Weatherspoon, you know, explained to me, right, there's nothing that you should be uh, saddened about uh, because of what you have achieved thus far and embrace that. And, and that helped me. But he, he said to me, the next best thing to playing the game and winning is playing the game and losing because some people never get to play the game. I think there's going to be a time where Cam Newton is going to – take the time because you don't know if it'll ever happen again but he'll get a chance to look back and reflect on the fact that he did play in a Super Bowl that's not going to be any you know for him that's probably not going to be the same thing as winning it but it will separate him from a whole lot of quarterbacks and teams as an example the Cleveland Browns have never played in the Super Bowl but it certainly will set him apart from some other teams uh, in the fact that he did get a chance to play in the Super Bowl. But let's just talk about the game itself. At what point in time, because you, like me, picked the Carolina Panthers, at what point in time in the game did you think they were in trouble? Well, another one one play that specifically stood out for me that just screamed that they were in trouble was the punt return where, where Hillman... Yes. I mean, Jervis Norwood just ran it for 61 yards, and none of the Panthers tried to even tackle him. So well, the, well, the two guys... The Panthers sh- surrounding him. Well, 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 listen, Chef Julian, the two guys, 
you know, they both, you know, and, he, and I've been a gunner before. As a matter of fact, I was a gunner when I was a gunner for the Philadelphia Eagles. And Lawrence, well, let's say I was a gunner. And then also I was a DB on the other end who tries to, you know, prevent the two gunners from running down to, to, to make the tackle. And Lawrence Taylor was a gunner for the Giants as fast as he was and as big as he was as a linebacker. But let me say this. A lot of times what you do is your, your concentration is on every place else. And, and you're trying to get away from the guy blocking you. And then you're trying to see, trying to figure out, you know, you want to you want to make sure you contain the play. But you also want to make sure that nobody's coming to clean your clock. So there are times where you take your eye off the ball. But I don't know why in the world that both of those guys felt as if he had made a fair catch because both of them had a chance to tackle him, and they both pulled their arms away. I didn't see, when they ran it over, I didn't see any gesture that he made to make you think that he was considering a fair catch, but I think they both did a terrible job of tackling him, and they, I, they know they did. Yes, of course they do. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, they didn't, they, they just didn't show, they, they, I don't know what gesture he could have made that made them look like, that made it look like he called for a fair catch. But even then, when he started running, they didn't even they they didn't even move. Like those those two guys stopped as if the place ended, and everyone else started running. But I mean, that, I'm not going to say that's the reason why they lost. I mean, they there was poor offensive line blocking. They could not stop Von Miller or Demarcus Ware. Um, the wide receivers were dropping passes, and the funny thing is, those problems were problems that they said that the Panthers would have before the season started, and they seem to not have any of those problems during the regular season or during any part of this postseason. But when it came down to it in the big game, for some reason, those problems showed, and it just and and it just didn't work for them. Well, okay, we got Bert on the line was as well. And, and Bert, I'm, I want to ask you a question, the same question that I that I asked is Chef Julian. And, and I'm not sure going into the game, Bert, because uh, I, I know you've called the show and I appreciate you calling the show. Don't know if I got a chance to speak to you just before the Super Bowl. So I'm not sure if you had Carolina or Denver, but I would like to know if there was any time in the game, at what time in the game was there something that happened where you thought, uh-oh, Carolina might be in trouble? Or you might have thought, uh-oh, Denver might be in trouble. But Chef Julian just talked about the punt return where it was a signal for him that Carolina might be in trouble here. Hey, Ray, how you doing, man? Good, good. Well, yeah, there was the, the first time that I suspected that Carolina was in for a long, long day was when um, there was a uh, a challenge on a um, on a pass that was caught and it was ruled incomplete and then uh, Ron Rivera threw out the challenge flag and me like <laughs> a whole bunch of other folks said hey that was clearly a catch and then they came back the ref came back and said oh ruling on the field stands let's next play and I was like what. <laughs> that's when I knew that um, Carolina was going to have some problems that day. Now, and those, are, you know, Chef Julian talked about the punt return. You talked about that. There, there are certain things that happen within a game where it kind of motivates and excites and, and gets the other team going. Do, do you really think that particular play had an effect on Denver, that things might be going their way? as much as it did that Carolina might have had the feeling that, oh, man, things are not going to be working out for us today. Did you think it had a, a, an effect on both teams or just the Carolina Panthers? Well, it had to have an effect on both teams. You know, I mean, just like Carolina had the wind sucked out of them, they, the, the Broncos had to get pumped up from that. And going back to, uh, to that um, – to that play, that punt return. Let me ask you a question, Ray. Is there any possibility that something might have been said on the field that would have um, made those um, those passers and 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 um, in the coverage 
of the re, uh, punt returner think that there was a um, a fair catch in play? No, you know what? And, and, and most of the times, I mean all the time, when you are covering punts, the only thing that's mentioned by anybody in terms of any verbal signals are normally to alert you, if you're on the receiving side, to alert your teammates who are blocking for you to get away from the ball because you're not going to catch it. And so it's maybe sometimes a scatter or a peter or something like that, you know, get away from it. And you hear that and you should see those guys that are blocking to try to run out of the way because the ball could bounce off them. And if they don't have to even, you know, put their hands on it, if it touches their leg or something, then the other team can then recover the ball. Right. You know, so that normally what happens. But in, in a sense of a fair catch, uh, no, there, there's nothing. There's no communication. The communication would only may perhaps maybe come from the sidelines at times. You may have a special teams coach down there who can be trying to assist the receiver and he could let him know either, you know, catch it or, or fair catch it. But but that's the first time that I can recall that I have seen two people respond in the way those two guys responded. It, it was clearly yeah. to me that they thought there was a fair catch. And I don't know. I haven't heard it from those two. But but I, it was clearly the way they uh, they they first they tr- attempted to tackle him. And then they kind of backed off as if, no, it's, it's I should not tackle him because there was a fair catch made. And it, it was clear right. that both of those thought that. Yeah, and you see now, you said, and you you just brought up a real curious point, which is that both those guys thought that there was a there was a fair catch in play. Now, if one guy had made that mistake, I could see that there was just like a um, he had a lapse, you know, a momentary lapse. But two guys had the same had the same, were thinking the same thing at the same time. That could not have happened just by happenstance. What do you think? No, I, I'm going to agree with you. And, and, Chef Julian, since we were talking about it, I'm sure you probably saw the replay. When you saw the replay, it, it, it did not appear to you that he had made a fair catch either. Am I right about that, Chef Julian? Uh, yeah, it didn't seem like they that he made a fair catch, but at the same time, I think he must have did something with his hands or something something because no two guys are just going to stop playing after a catch is made on a punt return without them thinking that it was a, a fair catch i mean they didn't get hurt well and you know what the thing about it also what what as i was you know trying to pick up on something uh, i didn't hear anything in the replay that the commentators even felt that Whoa! There was something he did that that, that could have been, you know, somewhat, you know, perceived or, or anticipated or expected or called as a fair catch. There was no gesture made. Uh, I didn't think there was any kind of signal made by him that would indicate he was making a fair catch. And so that that that's the first time in, in all the years I can remember that I've ever seen a game that, that a couple guys uh, have been fooled by something like that. And I, and I do believe that was a that was a very very big play to me. That I mean that. I think that was a momentum changer for for Denver in that particular case. I, I think that oh, really yeah. got them going. Well, but clearly there had to be something that made those guys think. And I mean, think that there was something, something happened. I don't know what it was. We couldn't see it. But something, somehow or another, those two, uh, those two Panthers thought that someone, I mean, that there was a, a fair play. Uh, a fair, uh, a fair catch in play. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, and I'm, I'm also going to say this. I'm also going to say, and I think, guys, we got about three minutes here before we go to the break. Uh, there was one play that I did think that it was very um, obvious that there should have been a penalty called, and the penalty wasn't called. Now, I know you already mentioned uh, about, I think it's two plays of which, uh, Bert, that you have a question about in terms of. Uh, when they went to replay, I, you mentioned one. I thought you said there was two, but also on the field goal kick that was missed by the Panthers when the ball uh, hit the crossbar. Uh, do, am I the only one that saw that the guy was offside, or did you guys at least see that somebody was in the neutral zone? Well, wait a minute. Everybody saw that. <laughs> not just not just you, not just I. Everybody was on television once they did the replay, and so if we at you know, watching it on um, on television, saw it. 
Yeah, that was that that was very interesting to me. Now, here's what I will say. I will say that see there are certain calls to me that I think that could you know, you could I think an offside penalty, I think that's one of those things that that could be something you could challenge that. I, I don't see why you can't challenge an offside penalty, particularly when it's something that could, you know, affect the outcome of the game and they miss it. You know, a holding call, a judgment. See, those things, judgment calls, I don't think so. But when it's clearly that a person is in the neutral zone or offsides before the ball is snapped, that's something you can go to the replay camera and you can look at it, you can see it. That should be called holding. You can call holding on just about every play. You can call pass interference on just right. about every play. But something like that, I truly thought that, mm, man, there's too many people missing that call. So, so it looks like, and again, I, I was rooting for the Carolina Panthers, but when it's all said and done, I'm going to give the respect that's deserved to Denver Broncos because they won that football game. But there were a couple questionable calls, and I know, Bert, you're a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to uh, – I'm going to kind of shy away from that because I got to take a break, but I'm going to let you come back because I know you got a conspiracy. I know you got one, but uh, I'm going to let you uh, maybe get a little bit of that out. But we're going to take a break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but a 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum, or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Rail of Sports from the Voice of America Network. And Phoenix living like it matters. What matters, the Denver Broncos are the world champions. Of course, they beat the Carolina Panthers. They are deserving. No excuses to be made. They had a game. It was 60 minutes. Everybody played. One team played better than the other. I believe that's what Cam said. So we're going to stick with that. But what thing I would like to do. The man's almost 40 years old. In fact, he may be 40 any day now. Oldest quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl in the National Football League history. Uh, Chef Julian, I'm going to let you start off, and then we're going to swing it over there to Brett a little bit. Um, I know earlier in the show last week when you were with me, you were a little bit on the fence there in terms of making your pick. You ended up picking Carolina. But I believe part of the reason why you were a little hesitant because somebody, they had a quarterback on the other side of the ball by the name of Peyton Manning. And I certainly, that was some of the reservations I was having because I thought Peyton would play like Peyton and what she did when he beat the New England Patriots. Uh, What do you think about Peyton's performance and was it what you expected it to be going in or did he, in fact, exceed your expectations of how he might play in this past Super Bowl? Well, actually, to be honest, I didn't expect him to play like, like the Peyton of the regular season. I expected him. I didn't expect him to throw for three touchdown passes, or four touchdown passes, or three hundred, four hundred yards, because he doesn't play like that in the Super Bowl. If you look at the, uh, his statistics, he has a four to three interception to touchdown ratio. Uh, um, he only has he only averages one touchdown per Super Bowl. Uh, he's very accurate. I mean, with with the 
with the passing. Even in the game against Seattle where they got blown out, he was 35 for, maybe, I'm pretty sure, like 48. He's a very accurate passer, but it's just he doesn't get the touchdowns. He throws, he turns the ball over. I mean, he makes some mistakes, but um, he he manages the game in the Super Bowl. He doesn't excel. He just manages the game, which is something I was expecting him to do uh, considering the fact that they have an amazing defense, one of the best that this league has ever seen. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because well, I, I'm one of those guys, I don't, I don't like when people say how, how players manage the game because, you know, for me, a manager is always somebody who tells people what to do and somebody has to end up executing what, you know, those orders that they're sending down and they come from the sidelines in, in the case of football. And I think uh, Peyton has done and quarterbacks, you know, do an excellent job, those who are successful, of executing the play called. And because you have you have various options, and then you can extend the play, and and you could uh, you know improvise and 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 create opportunities, and I think he does a good job of that. But in the Super Bowl, you're right. The big stage has been something that he's never been great at. Even when he won the, his first Super Bowl, I don't know exactly what his statistics were. But Peyton is not a a 400, 500 yard passer. I, you know, I, statistically, and you're much better at it than I am, uh, Chef Julian. You know, you probably could count the number of games. And, and, and shout out to Marvin Harrison, who, uh, of course, I've known Marvin for years, and, and Marvin will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I thought Marvin should have been down on the field and, and, and shaking Peyton's hand, and Peyton might have handed him the football and, and, and said, the next time I'll see you will be in Canton because I'm going in. I'm getting in because of the balls that you've thrown to me, and you will be getting in because of the balls that I caught that you threw to me. But that's a conversation I'm sure that they had. And, and I look forward to seeing Peyton in Canton this summer because I think Peyton's going to uh, hang it up because, you know, he's, he, he's top dog. He's riding out on the white horse. And uh, so let me just ask you about that, uh, Brett, you know, going in. Um, I'm sorry, Brett, going into this thing, um, yeah. you, you, you thought perhaps maybe that uh, Cam was going to come out successful uh, it didn't happen that way, but Peyton's performance, did it surprise you? Was it better than expected? Uh, was it what you expected? Uh, and was it good enough to win the game? If, if, if the defense well, didn't play that good, well, do you think that was good enough to win the game? Well, before I get to Cam, let me just give you a little perspective, my perspective on Peyton Manning. Yeah, that's what I want. I want, I want Peyton right now. I don't, I don't want Cam yet. I want Peyton right now. All right. Well, now... Let's just say that I'm neutral on Peyton Manning, you know, and I acknowledge that Peyton Manning over the years has put in a body of work that is beyond reproach. But Sunday, um, Peyton was throwing the ball. Uh, he couldn't break a pane of glass. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's never had a rifle. He's never had a rifle, I don't think. Well, he... he yeah, he's had arm strength. Yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, but he's been a very, as Chef Julian said, he's been a very accurate passer. His balls are always, you know, exactly where they need to be. And, and, and as a matter of fact, they're very catchable balls because he doesn't have that rifle. <laughs> I don't know if you, but when as soon as, I, as the game started and I saw Peyton throwing the ball the first couple of pass plays, I said, those boys are going to be on it. I mean, it was just by the grace of God. I mean, it was just like a half step too late. Well, I mean, Josh Norman could have picked off at least two or three of those passes. Uh, they, dro they, they, they dropped him. They, they dropped You are so right about that. And that's why I said, you know, I'm not going to give all the blame to Cam because, as a matter of fact, early in the game, down on the go on their, in their red zone, uh, I, I forget what which corner it was, but he certainly could have intercepted that and took it to the house for about 80 yards, 90 yards, Absolutely. and he just knocked it down. Absolutely. And and I'll tell you something else. You know, the, um, uh, well, I'll just put it this way. There's just a whole lot about that game that just did not add up. Now, you, you might say, well, you know that I'm here in Charlotte. And uh, I've got a whole different perspective on things. But there was a whole bunch out there on that field that was one and one, didn't quite come up to two. 
Well, just, yeah, and, and there's that there's that conspiracy theory. But I but I'm gonna say this. Let's say this, Bert. Let, let, by just but just looking at the performance of of Peyton Manning, uh, and 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 what you just said earlier, and there certainly were a couple balls that should have been intercepted. Uh, I'm not so sure that Peyton. You know what we're saying about Peyton today, and I'm giving him respect because he won the game. You know, you know, coming close only counts in horseshoes, and of course we played football. But I'm telling you that there were enough plays that could have been made by Carolina secondary that the game could have been completely different, completely different if those men just would have made some plays. So that Peyton, Peyton could have played like Peyton has been known to play in the Super Bowl if those men had hands and they could catch. So well, now, just think about that interception. Uh, was, it, uh, was it Coney Ely? The defensive tackle? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Bad boy showed a lot of athletic ability. Yeah, I mean, that was a pass that, you know, <laughs> that was a very weak pass, and he just snatched that. You know, like, when you ha- when you, if you're a quarterback and you have a defensive tackle intercepting you, you know, you've got to really say, like, wait a minute. What's going on here? I mean, so... Well, you're right. You're right about that. That that was an aha moment. See, for me, when I looked at that, that's one of those moments where you think, oh, okay, well, maybe it's a Carolina day. Because you're right, defensive linemen, particularly when they're dropping off. Uh, Chef Julian, who's there from the Hall of Fame City, and I remember, of course, when uh, Ohio State, the Ohio State University played Alabama. And uh, the young fellow named Miller there from uh, Ken McKinley dropped back, and, and he was able to intercept a pass and run it to uh, the end zone. You know, you, you've seen... Uh, the big fella, you know, for the Houston Texans, you know, he's made a couple, batted a couple balls and made a couple interceptions. But normally when those things are happening, when, when those, type of, those type of unusual turnovers happen, that usually, that usually is say, hey, man, it's not our day today. When something like that happens, a defensive lineman is able to get a, you know, and, and run it back and show the athletic skills and moves and take it deep down into, you know, territory that's most to the advantage for his team. Uh, those are usually things that say, man, this is not our day. But I, I think if you look at Peyton's day, he made a couple throws that he needed to make, but I just think that all facets of their team and the game was working for them. You know, the play calling was working for them. Uh, the, the the defense was working for them. Special teams was working. The running game was working. And, and Peyton, the defensive guys were dropping his interceptions that he may have thrown instead of catching them. So it, it just looked more like it was, it looked more like it was Denver's day than it was Carolina's day, and and that's the, uh, I think that's the point that I wanted to make because, you know, we could very well be sitting here today talking about Peyton was Peyton on Super Bowl day, if if some of those plays would have been made, you know, that's what we that's what we would have said. Pick the standard that we know to be Peyton Manning. And only in the Super Bowl now, not not regular season. Regular season, Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. The Peyton Manning that showed up Sunday, I'm telling you, Ray, I, I think you have a daughter. She could have outthrown him. She could have put him <laughs> on the ball. Okay, I'm going to ask Chef Julian because Chef Julian got them statistics there. I mean, we know, okay, let me just say this. We know without a doubt, there's no, we're not going to question this. Peyton Manning is a Hall of Fame quarterback, first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. Why is no that? Doubt. Why is that, Chef Julian? You got you got statistics, obviously, but I mean, you just know that you've seen Peyton do some things during the regular season. That I mean, everybody remembers that Bill Belichick didn't want to give the ball to him in the red zone in a regular season game. You know, so it's like, wow, this man during the Super Bowl, it's the same arm that he has during the regular season. What is it that traditionally? He's not been able to perform in the Super Bowl, and it could have been that way the other day. Did, did you see that, Chef Julian? Did you see that? You know, there's a chance this could be the same Super Bowl Peyton Manning quarterback that's playing today uh, than the regular season quarterback because uh, there was a couple things that he did that perhaps maybe was to the disadvantage of his team. They just didn't work out in favor of Carolina because the secondary couldn't catch. Were you, did you feel any of that, Chef Julian? Um, actually, no, I didn't feel any, and like, we would see the Peyton Manning that we see in the regular season, the vintage Peyton Manning, uh, mostly because they, most of the plays that they had set up for him were quick throws, uh, 
you snap it and get it off in in, a, in about 1.5 seconds. Most of them was quick slants, quick throws to throw off the defense. Um, so I wasn't expecting the vintage Peyton Manning. Vintage Peyton Manning, he has a, like a two or three deep throws in one drive. So uh, that Peyton Manning I was not expecting to see, which I didn't. And also the Peyton Manning in the uh, postseason really did show up with some of these passes. A lot of, like you said, a lot of them Carolina defenders could have caught. Uh, so you saw you saw a different Peyton Manning. You saw the Peyton Manning that they've been trying to get get to play this season with the you know with the bum ankle and the one that they've been trying to keep in the shotgun. I mean, he wasn't in the shotgun as much as he was uh, earlier this season, but still, they didn't want him to uh, tire himself out. So, well, I'm 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 going to do this. I'm going to just uh, you know go ahead and give him credit because he got a Super Bowl ring. But I, I I'm not going to say that it was you know spectacular play because we all know first of all he wasn't the MVP of the game. Uh, I think Von Miller walked away with that uh, accolade, and so. Uh, obviously there were some people who played better than he did because you know they would have loved for Peyton to have uh, the MVP trophy of the game as well as for it to be his last game and have that Super Bowl ring. But what we're going to spend this last uh, 15 or 12 minutes talking about is the man who did not win the game. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the way Cam ended his show <laughs> right after this break. You listen to Ray the Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Sports on the Voice American Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. You hear the music, of course, you know the show. Uh, what matters to me is, of course, Denver Broncos, national champions. Nothing else needs to be said. Drop the mic, give it to them. Uh, but let's talk about the man who did not make it happen now, and that is Cam Newton. Now, here's the thing about it Peyton Manning, oldest quarterback to ever start a Super Bowl. Cam Newton, mm, not the youngest. I think Dan Marino might have been the youngest quarterback because I think he went right in his rookie year. But anyway, uh, Cam's going to have at least several more shots because I think he'll play several more seasons to get a chance to make it to the Super Bowl. Bert, I'm going to start off with you. Um, being down there in Carolina, obviously you guys are hoping that Cam would, would play you know, one of his better games. Uh, to me, when it started off, I didn't see the Cam. I didn't see the Cam Newton that I wanted to see because there was one play in particular. Anyway, when it, when you're in the Super Bowl, you don't worry about what happens if you get hurt. Now I understand Cam's got that perspective of himself. Why risk injury? But this is not, you know, Freddie Mitchell. You know, in the middle of the season, Philadelphia Eagles. You know, for who, for what? You know, for who and for what? For you to get a chance to win the Super Bowl. That's what for who and for what. But 
I understand sometimes a quarterback has to think. Sometimes they may overthink a situation, but, you know, live for another play. So I can respect that. That Probably that was smarter than I would have been at the time. I probably would have dove in there and messed my arm up and everything. But when Cam showed up, was there a part of the game of which, just like we start off with the other part, about when did you think they were in trouble, was there a point in time where you saw this game and you felt as if, man, this is, Cam isn't playing like the way we need him to play in order to win this game? Was it early in the game? Was it, maybe you felt he played good enough to win the game, I don't know. But I think there was some point in time where I was expecting to see a little bit more from Cam than I got in the game. What do you think? Go ahead, Bert. Well, I think towards the end of the first half, Cam looked like he was tired. Wow. Was my, I mean, I think, I actually think that Cam may have just been physically exhausted. You know, number one, from, you know, the, uh, from the adrenaline rush, just, you know, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, Ray. When you oh, get, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. You know, until, like, all of a sudden it just hits you, and they, like, you're just, like, spent, you know, and I, I got the impression that Cam was just, like, out of gas towards the middle, I mean, towards the middle to the, to the end of the first half, and he just looked lethargic, and um, something was, he did not play his best game, no, but it looked like um, he might have been just tuckered out. Well, I, I, I'm going to say this to you. I, I, because, I, you know, some players, you can read them. And we all know that Cam enjoys playing the game. I don't think from, from, from the start that Cam was having any fun with playing the game. And his, 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 his approach to the game, for me, if you're going to have fun, you have fun when the game is starting, you know, the pregame, pregame warm-up, your, your mood into this, you know, gladiator, you know, competition is, I'm going to have fun. I never saw the fun. It's not that they took the fun from him. He never brought fun to that game. He never was loose. He never was, he never was happy. Cam is not a serious kind of quarterback. So he should have been relaxed going in. And I don't think he was relaxed. And it wasn't that he was intimidated. I just think that he thought he had to be like he always talks about being Cam. I think he thought this time he had to be something different than Cam and more focused. And he didn't play like Cam, in my opinion. Well, you know, Ray, I think um, once they told Cam that um, that the mob had his wife and his parents <laughs> being held at gunpoint, you know, and waterboarding them, you know, it, you know, it just sort of took a little away. Cam, Cam, so that's a conspiracy theory. See, see, I see. conspiracy <laughs> theory. Okay, Chef Julie, come on, help out, help us out in this one, Chef. I mean, Cam Newton shows up getting ready to play the biggest game in his life. Was there anything that you saw that was any resemblance of the Cam Newton that we've saw this year, the record-breaking Cam Newton? Was he in a Panthers jersey this past weekend, or was there somebody else playing in, instead of Cam? Well, it was, it was definitely Cam, but uh, it, it wasn't the Cam that we, are, we were used to this season. Um, they definitely did a good job. The defense did a good job of containing him into that pocket, so he couldn't really scramble as as much as he wanted to. But the throws that he made, most of them were accurate. You, I mean, some of them overthrown, some of them were underthrown, but most of those passes were right on the mark. Mark, but uh, you gotta you gotta place some blame on uh, somebody else. I mean, it wasn't all Cam's fault. I mean. They had an offensive line that just could not stop Von Miller or DeMarcus Ware or anybody on that line. They had an, uh, they had wide receivers that could not catch. Like it basically looked like they couldn't catch anything. I mean, Ted Ginn, he finally got a, his first catch in the second quarter uh, for a first down, and it was his first catch of the game. That whole f- first quarter. Dropping, dropping the ball every time it was thrown to Well, uh, I, I'm going to tell you one thing about Ted. Ted, that, Ted caught a pass that I thought Ted could have took to the house. I don't know why he ran out of bounds. The one, oh, lo- definitely, def- 
Yeah, I remember that play. Definitely could have took it farther. Yes. Uh, I, yeah, he ran out of bounds. I'm like, why are you running out of bounds? I, I didn't get. I didn't understand that at all. So go, go ahead, Chef Julie. Sorry about it. I just wanted to at least get that comment in. It seemed like the only receiver that was catching the ball early in that game was Philly Brown, and he made an amazing catch that forced him that that he worked so hard for. It gave him a concussion, basically, and he was out for the rest of the game. No one else stepped up on that receiving core, so it was really hard to say that it was all Cam Newton's fault when everyone around that everyone around him in that offense wasn't contributing like as much as they should have. Well, now, I'm also I'm gonna blame it on the coaches a little bit too because first of all, there's no way in the world everybody who knows that we're going into this game and, and we're going to be playing against Cam Newton and you're going to, you know, strategically come up with a way to stop him, uh, you first have to think they're probably going to come up with a spy on Cam. And so if they're going to come up with a spy on Cam, that means that, okay, he probably is not going to be able to, you know, to run up the middle, uh, you know, because somebody's going to be there and then maybe getting outside, they're going to rush with container to kind of, you know, make sure he stays in the pocket. But those guys that are coming off the end are going to be coming, you know, with their ears pinned back. You can't you tell me if they come up with a strategy where they're going to have, you know, a guy who's going to be, you know, spying on Cam. Can't you at least come up with a scheme where you're chipping the guys as they come off the end to slow them down? Can't you send somebody at their knees to cut them a couple times to slow them down? They never did any of that. Can't you at least chip them and then have them catch a little screen coming out of the backfield. They never did any of that, you know, and, 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 and I don't even think really, mm, I'm trying to think if we really tried to take it over the top. I don't remember Ted trying one nine. He didn't run, run long bomb, you know, at any time. Uh, and, and again, I think those guys, they were not, uh, and on the, on the, let, me, let me go to the defensive side of the scheme that Carolina had, what I thought was a problem is they were not knowing the kind of arm that Peyton has, and he has to get the ball out of his hands in two seconds. Why didn't you bump and run their receivers every play? Why, why, why would you do that? Why would you just let him have a, an easy path to throw a pass? Just didn't make sense to me. So I may be buying into a little bit of the conspiracy theory, but I just want to give credit where credit is due. Listen, I'm going to give you guys credit for calling in and, uh, and having fun with me on the show. I certainly appreciate it. But it's that time, so I'm going to have to close the show out. But uh, listen, Denver Broncos, world champions. Who's going to be world champions yeah, next yeah. year? Uh, we don't know, but I got I got an idea. Bert's got a conspiracy theory yeah, <laughs> about yeah. who's going to be. So listen, maybe he'll call in next week and uh, join the show with us. But thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like a matter. Chef Julian out of Hall of Fame City has been with us as well. And I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.